Hi, everybody. Welcome to This is the Pits. My name is Michael Oberst. And my name is Chelsea Greenwood. And today we are talking about a movie starring Brad Pitt. <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf. And John Bernthal. And that's all that uh, I can really remember off the top of my head. Um, every, everybody. It stars a lot of really cool famous people. The movie is called Fury. And full disclosure, we are, this is our second our second crack at recording this episode. Right. We, we uh, recorded it a fir- the first time a few weeks ago, and the, the track got messed up, and it we have to re-record it. So the movie is not so fresh in my brain, because it's probably been a month since I've seen it. Yeah, it's, I mean, same, obviously. But at least I have we took extensive notes, and we already talked about it thoroughly. So there's plenty to... I mean, we could still... I could still go talk about this shit again, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm no fully worries. here for it. Yeah. Um, so... So let's... I mean, we are... Last movie we did was twenty in 2013, which seems like forever ago. And it's so funny because even when we were going through the movies in 2013, we kept saying over and over, World War Z was in 2013. Remember that? That was fucking forever ago. But, yeah, and 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, and we keep saying, like, oh, my God, 2013 will not end. It's the longest year ever. And then we move on to 2014 with Fury... And then the track gets fucked up and we have to do it again. And we have to, again, talk about how 2013 <laughs> was... 2014. 20, no, we have to talk again about how he's coming off the heels of 2013, which is a big year. And then we're going into 2014 where he... I mean, there's a, lo- there's a lot of off-movie stuff, like outside of Brad's life in stuff. 2014 is hustle and bustle. Yes. He wins his first uh, Academy Award when 12 Years a Slave wins for Best Picture from 2013. Right. He Goddamn 2013 movies will not go away. rocking and rolling. He puts out his wine company. Oh, yeah. His uh, Merval, which I didn't realize was Brad's wine company. I know, and it makes me love it. And now every time I see it, I got—I have to be honest with you—I was not a fan of that wine. People have bought it, to, brought it to my house for many a dinner party. Now that I know it's Brad's, I really love it. No, I'm still not a fan. It's not good. It's too sweet. Yeah, because it's his from his nectar. You know he. Oh, that's true. He puts a single tear or a bead of sweat into every bottle <laughs> that is produced. If they could just put on the bottle that he touched. That he just touched the <laughs> bottle, he could just like, like walk by an aisle with his hand on them all and just rub his hand against all of them, and yeah. they could put on the bottle that Brad Pitt touched, hand touched each bottle, yeah, and crank the price up. I would buy it. I would buy it. Listen, what I would give for a bead of Brad Pitt sweat. I like uh, how this podcast has really turned into me being so obsessed with Brad Pitt that I. It's crazy. It's shocking to me. Yeah, look, the joke where we used to say. We are not fans of Brad Pitt. We are purely analytical. It doesn't apply anymore. No, it's I am out the a window. full I'm blown, with him. <laughs> hardcore Brad Pitt fan. Yeah, it's huge, huge. Uh, but I mean, why? It's not because of his acting. It's because I feel like he's my best friend, my husband, my father. Well, he's yeah, like the all more, these people to me. Exactly. The more <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> depending on what movie and what era we're talking about, yeah. he's either my boyfriend, my dad. He's like a lot yeah. of different things for me. Um, oh, he's so tender to me, you know? <laughs> he is truly tender. Um, I mean, in this movie, too, he is 
he is a lot of different things. I mean, that's the interesting thing about his role in this movie, which by the way, weird movie. Um, yeah. But he's got, he's kind of a father figure, but he's also like a big brother figure. Yeah. And he's also like a war criminal war boss. He's badass. a war daddy. I mean, his name is war daddy, which his is name a is war daddy. full blown ridiculous name. Yeah. But I love it. I mean, how could you not love a name war daddy? Oh my gosh. Um, he could be my war daddy. You know he what could, I'm saying? Could, you know, he could, um, put a war, start a war on my daddy's. I don't know. Never mind. I don't know All where right. I was going with that. Uh, okay. Well, another big deal that happened in 2014, really veering off of the war daddy subject, but yeah. back into the mirror of all subject is that he got married to Angelina Jolie. Oh yeah. That year after nine years of engagement. And they married in a in a place called Chateau Miraval. That's Hence why they have their name the Miraval. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cheesy. Brad Pitt is so cheesy. He is disgusting, and I hate him, and I don't know why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the worst. Um, also, funny thing that happened in 2014, which I find just so funny. It shouldn't be funny, but it is. He was attacked on oh, the yeah. red carpet for Maleficent. <laughs> He was, he was attending the premiere. It's like so. I don't. It shouldn't be funny because it's like, it no, sucks. I, it was probably funniest. horrifying for him, but it is funny. He Why was attacked. Is it funny? Not he. Okay, for to, to be clear, he wasn't hurt. It's just like a a dude who's like a prankster, like a quote prankster, which is the stupidest term for what this guy does. Which is just he runs up to celebrities and like attacks them in weird ways. Um, and he did it to Brad Pitt. He does it for attention, and he got attention, and oh he, Brad Pitt got a restraining order. But um, <laughs> it's not even it Brad's so movie. He was just fucking attending, and <laughs> it was attacked. <laughs> the thing is, is like if we could rewind the VHS tape of our lives, like that's one of us attacking him, <laughs> just like <laughs> seeing him in public and losing our shit and just jumping upon him. Okay, but if we keep saying that kind of stuff, he's going to get a <laughs> a preemptive restraining order on both of us. I know it's okay as long as he knows I exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, for the record, Brad, Brad's agent, Brad's manager, whoever's listening to this, wondering whether or not you should get a restraining order. I will not be doing anything to put my boy Brad in danger. No, 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 no. I, I will protect him, him forever and always. I will also protect his legacy forever and always because I feel sometimes people come for his legacy and I don't oh appreciate gosh. it. Well, you know what's really a fun thing about the timing of this thing that we're doing is that like right now we're talking about 2014 but in 2019 which is our current day brad pitt is fucking killing it thriving he's full-on thriving he's thriving with the respect he's never had he's in two huge movies he's in this gq spread which is twice he was in two gq spreads this year I slide off of my seat and into heaven every time I look at that picture. Slipping and sliding on my seat. It is a shocking thing. And I'm just like, I feel like he's sort of transitioned finally into this like, and I don't think it's because of this podcast where, because this has already happened in my brain where I feel like he's respected. He looks great. He's not giving too much away, you know? He's revered now. He's he revered. is. 
he has reached legend status. Yeah. Which I don't really know. It could be because this podcast has really yeah. created a lot of buzz for him. But <laughs> yeah, I think I, it's probably this. I think it could be. I mean, thing. I don't want to make any big leaps, but this might be it. Um, <clears throat> but also, it's just like at some point he went from being superstar Brad Pitt, who's like, oh my god, Brad Pitt's in this movie, to and to now where he's like, holy shit, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is in this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think we'll talk a lot about more about this when we cover at Astra next week because it's current day. Right. But I just want to drop it in that in 2014, he was still like also killing it. He's just like been consistently killing it. I think it's, I, I think it might, his like legendary status might be a little bit because he's now, sort of removed from tabloids. I mean, he's still in the tabloids, but he's not he's not in them because he's doing anything. He's just in them because his name makes you buy it. But like it's not like like he's going through a big no, messy divorce what is a currently. Tabloid? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's right. in magazines. Yeah. He's in GQ, he's in Vanity Fair. He's not on the front of people because he's getting a divorce or because he was seen with Jennifer Aniston or something like that. It's because No, but he but it's funny because he is it's, it's oh, not he's 100% of him. still in them. It's shocking. I mean, I say that I've probably said this in 16 of our episodes, but like every single time I go to the grocery store, his face is still, he's either embroiled in some scandal with Angelina Jolie or Jennifer Aniston. Like it, this shit will not die, but no, he's no longer die. associated with it. It's almost like the tabloid industry just like has him. They're fabricating it because it, because he, he sells like Brad Pitt sells things, putting his face right. on something sells it. So but, but what I mean is just that now that he's not embroiled in some sort of actual scandal and they're having to fake scandals, I think that it allows for his career to be the focus of what Brad Pitt is doing and his aesthetic to yeah. be the focus of his, his what he is, as opposed to being yeah. defined by his relationships, at least right now. As soon as he gets in a relationship, yeah. it's all over. Yeah, and again, I want to cover this next week, but it's interesting watching him do interviews now. When every episode we've done so far, I've been watching interviews from the past and how how uninterested he is in talking about anything having to do with himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's, I think it's he's also... Just, I, I, I think, yeah. like, this time period in 20... Let's bring it back to 2014, because eventually we have yeah. to talk about the movie. Um, yeah. I think in 2014, it's him doing Fury, it was almost like... Oh yeah, Angelina Jolie's husband, Brad Pitt, the, that like famous couple. He's doing a movie, and it's it's called Fury, and he plays this guy called War Daddy. And Shia LaBeouf is in it. Like him and Shia LaBeouf were like the same like draw at the time. Uh, I mean, I'm not Brad sure. Pitt's I bigger, think, but like, I don't know about that. I feel like Brad Pitt so many times is just cast to get people to come see movies. I I guess you're right, but I just mean yeah. like. It wasn't like Brad Pitt being cast in a movie now where he's just like far and above. It's like back then because he was like embroiled in this thing with Angelina Jolie and he was kind of like doing his all these other little things and like he was very public. Now he's like not public. And when he's in a movie, it's like got some extra weight to it. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I'm just, I know. I think you're right. I, I don't know how I don't know if you're saying it. I think correctly. you know what I mean, but I think I'm I know not what you mean. Yeah, you're not right. you're not articulating it in the way, but I think you're right. It's like now he has now it's like if Brad Pitt's in a movie, it's like, wow, Brad Pitt is in a movie. But then it was like, oh, another Brad Pitt movie. 
Exactly. Okay. Right? Is that yeah. what you mean? That is that yeah. is basically what I mean. Yeah. I feel what you mean. I feel that. It's like if Brad Pitt is in a movie now, everybody's going to go and see it in a different way. Because he's taken more seriously. Also, he's been doing really great movies these days. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Fury is not a great movie, but it's not a terrible movie. Yeah. Let me just let's wrap up the conversation of 2014. I'll just give you a little just a few things just to paint the picture of the world. So I already mentioned that 12 Years a Slave wins the Academy Award for Best Picture. Yes. Bravo to BB. Um, There is this is the year that the Flint, Michigan water crisis begins um, when Flint (sighs) changed its water source to the Flint River. This is still going on. It's still a going on. So um, ridiculous. It was also the year that uh, the Missouri, uh, the Ferguson shooting went down, which started the whole Black Lives Matter, or t- really triggered the Black Lives Matter thing, which is still going on, which is crazy. So 2014 is really... It's woke. It's when America woke up. It's when we woke up. It's like the end of peace. Anyway... Uh, Robin Williams committed suicide that year. So tragic. I love so, Robin Williams so much. I know. He's the best. It wasn't a very happy year for the United States. Ebola came back in Africa. <laughs> and then America. It made its way to Texas. It made its way to Texas. That was so scary. I really... Outbreak was one of my favorite movies with Dustin Hoffman. Did you ever see it? No. Oh my Is God, it Molly. newer? Or? No, I've never it's even heard of like, it. I'd say it's from the late 90s, early 2000s, and it's about Ebola, and let me tell you, it's delightful. And then the Delightful? Last, delightful. Oh, my God. You know, well, you know I love an outbreak. <laughs> I love a World War II. Yeah. I just love gruesome things. Last thing I'll say about 2014 is that it was the Bill Cosby scandal that rocked the world happened then. So it was like a big, Fuck it was like Bill a flagship Cosby. year. <laughs> That is a flagship year. We're still dealing with 2014 yeah. today. Yeah, <laughs> We're still time. recovering from 2014. Yeah. What a year. I will also say that in Brad and Angelina's life, now we can, I'm going to sort of veer it towards Fury. Um, so Fury was shot in England, and in the history of their nine-year relationship, Brad and Angelina had always hopscotched in between movies so that they could spend time. Like if one was shooting a movie, the family would be near them. And then they would, and then Angelina would do a movie, and Brad wouldn't, wouldn't, so that the family could be together. But for Fury, it was the first time they couldn't make it work. She had to start her filming in in Australia, and he was in England, so the kids would have to come back and forth the whole time. They split the kids up, and they had to fly each other from Australia to England just for sometimes just like for twenty four hours. See, I I don't like when parents do that kind of shit where they make it. They make it. They say it's for the kids, but it's like. I mean, honestly, traveling for those kids, we've talked about this before, traveling for those kids is probably, like, lovely, but still. Yeah, but still, 24 hours between between Australia and England on the other side of the world. I just don't like when parents do that for kids, but it's fine. Um, They're Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Those kids are going to be fucking fine. Um, Or not. Or, like, really not fine at all. One of them's (laughs) not going to be fine. Let's be honest. I mean, there's eight of them. I'd say half of them. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be lucky if, we'll be lucky if, like, three of them are fine. Um... And by fine, we mean not insanely mentally fucked up. Yeah, because they'll all be rich. They'll be. They'll all be. They can be fucked. They can be mentally fine. fucked up, but they will have all the support in the world. Unless they're yeah. unless the Brad and Angelina try to do that thing where they like they're like our money is not their money, and they need to make their yeah, own way. Right. Which I don't think. They, I mean, they flew them all over to Australia and like the UK and all this shit. They're probably yeah. not going to do that. 
But you yeah. never know. Sometimes parents are bad parents, even Brad when they're parents. rich. Ooh. I think you mean Brad parents. Ew. All right. Um, um, so that whole thing of like having to travel back from Australia to England, I think really added the tension to an already very tense, horrific production. Production. This production, I mean, it's it's sort of taken on like a almost like legendary status yeah, as a it's movie like where mythological. Yeah, where it's just like the, the the things that the cast and crew went through to make this movie mm-hmm. were exhausting. They had to. So obviously, it's a movie that takes place mostly in a tank. Um, Brad Pitt, Shia LaBeouf, John Barenthal, um, Michael Pena. And that's it. Oh, and the kid, what, what the, whatever the kid's name is. Um, they are all in this <laughs> tank. And to, to prepare for it, they had to train for four months, like in military style. They lived in the tank together to like prepare. Uh-huh. Shia LaBeouf didn't shower. They would fight every single day. Like the, the director, David Ayer, would make the crew, the cast, like physically fight each other, wrestle every day. Um, and it would just he like he said he wanted to make the tank a cauldron of psychology to like really have them be he wanted it to be as close to the real thing as possible just psychotic which is insane because yeah. it's like it's acting we can just can we just pretend but they he they took it very seriously mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> they had no rations no showers they were sleeping in the rain it so was miserable wild. Um, and when you say Shia LaBeouf didn't shower, he legitimately did not shower for the 62 days that it took to film this film. Didn't and he they shower were in once? that tank. From what I read, he didn't shower one time. Oh, I could have sworn I heard somewhere that like people were like, all right, dude, you have to do like one shower. Like you like they forced him to. But maybe no. maybe not. I don't know, but I'll tell you a few other things about Shia LaBeouf in this film, which are really great. One is that he pulled his own tooth out. Oh, God. I feel like Brad Pitt did that for a role once, too. Didn't he do that he for Jesse James? Tooth. Yeah, he like went to the dentist and had his... It was for Burn After Reading, I think. For Burn After Reading, yeah. Um, and then the cut on Shia LaBeouf's face, it was real. He like oh he, he would cut it every a, day. He took a knife to himself at the beginning of filming, cut his cheek, and then yeah. would hit it in the morning so that it bled. What a psychopath! Meanwhile, he was not. This showering. was the time when Shia LaBeouf was like really going insane and like doing crazy shit. Didn't he, he like go to, to rehab so. right after this? I don't know. He he was obsessed with adding realism to his characters. I think he did go to rehab right after this. Um, he did just come out with a, a lovely movie that I saw in theaters. Um, Honey, you know, Peanut Butter Falcon. It's nice. Huh. It's good. It's, it's, I mean, he plays, again, a stinky character, which I'm sure he didn't shower for that either, but he plays I like mean, a... I mean, does he even shower ever in real life? I bet he doesn't. That's he a good doesn't point. look like he showers. Like, I don't think it's a challenge for him not to shower for 60 days. I think they're like, he's like, uh, he could take any role and he'll be like, and you know what to prepare? I'm not going to shower. And they're like... Well, Great. you know, you could shower. <laughs> You're just playing a college student, you know, and he's like, no, no, no. college students, they don't shower. They and they're like, shower. well, some do. And he's like, well, this one doesn't. <laughs> like, it's his son never showering. I'll tell you what, he showered when I knew him back in his holes days, back in his oh even days. Oh, my Stevens God. Days. Do you want to tell the story? <laughs> 
Well, it's not really, I don't want to want to go into the details, but I will tell you, I have made out with one famous person in my entire life, and that person was Shia LaBeouf, and he did I not I just think. think this is the funniest, the funniest fact <laughs> about you that I always forget. Like, I think you've told me this story like seven times, and each time I'm like, wait a minute, you made out with Shia LaBeouf? <laughs> it's like just LaBeouf. random enough that it's, it's like, I believe that it would fully happen. But like for context, I was 16 years old, and it was homecoming. It wasn't like, and he was shooting holes. So he hadn't Ugh, become the so Shia iconic. we know and love today. No, but that he, is the Shia we love today, is the whole Shia. That's the one <laughs> well, we love. Well, we do love his holes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> um, Weren't you, like, anyway. dressed as a witch, too? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so I saw him two parties in a row. One, he came to my friend, my best friend Marcy was through a party the weekend before homecoming, and he came. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I had really long hair and a long skirt, and on and he was like you look like a witch and he like chased me around the whole party saying like you are a witch 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 and I was like whoa Shia wow. but he was still relatively famous because he was in Even Stevens so I was like into you're like it. oh my god Shia LaBeouf Ch- like, he's calling me a witch who I am. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and then um, I saw him the next weekend at homecoming party I had just smoked a little opium <laughs> Oh my God! You your high school was very different for you. We had very different experiences. Uh, don't even go. I was I was at a dinner party last night talking about high school and just so happened to like drop every name that's ever come across. Don't you hate when experience. you find yourself dropping names and you're like, Oh God, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah, um, I feel like I've dropped a lot of names on this podcast, but anyway, oh, yeah. Same. Shia, Shia LaBeouf did not smell when we made out. Could have been the opium speaking. Um, but yeah, he remembered me and he called me the witch. And I wonder, I wonder if he would have any recollection of that now. Was he smoking too? I don't think so. He, it was like, there was like this big sort of like tent thing at this party, but it wasn't his school's homecoming. It was my school's homecoming. And I think I only remember it because he's Shia LaBeouf. Right. I don't think he would have any reason to remember it. So that's Shia LaBeouf. Let's go back to Ayers though. And what a psycho he was for forcing his crew to um, really succumb to the madness. Well, I mean, we should talk about what a psychopath Ayers is anyway. He's a total douchebag bro who, like, took... He took this movie so seriously in, like, a way that I don't think did this movie justice. Like... Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the movie turned out pretty good. Yeah. But, like... David Ayers' like approach and vision for this movie was just like it was not it wasn't I don't know it, it was just like so like broy and like I right. feel like he focused on the wrong things. It's sort of a fine line when you make a war movie. Like he did it I think with like he tried to have this authentic intention but really he just did the cliche like America fuck yeah sprawling score like sort of he tried to cultivate this like family vibe between the guys but really I don't know it wasn't entirely believable if I recall I mean I don't even remember well he said that he did say that this movie was sort of like a movie about a family yeah um he called well, it a family said, movie, but that's, he meant like about a family. Yeah. Brad Pitt said, a tank crew must work as a machine. It's surprising how close you give us guys in a tank. Wait. He goes, it's surprising how close us guys got in the tank. I could tell you not only which one farted, but what they had for dinner the night before. 
I chose Ew. the role solely by how it spoke to me, and I sit in a fortunate seat where I can pull the trigger on the more difficult films. I was once talked into a film for career maintenance. I have not made that mistake since. I wonder what movie he's talking about. What do you think he's talking about? I feel like um, Interview with a Vampire or... Maybe Meet Joe Black. What was the one that he did that it was so bad and it was clear that he was just in it to do butts and seats? I mean, I forget every movie we've ever watched. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder what that is because there's a lot of movies where it's like so clear because there's some movies where he's very excited to be in it and then there's some where it's just like he did it. And he didn't really do, he like did the bare minimum. He like showed up to work. You know what I mean? Yeah, early on in his career. I think Meet Joe Black is a great example of that. Yeah, that movie was bad. Although it's so weird when people say movies like that are good of his. It's like you must have not seen that movie in a long time. My best friend Sharon, when I started this podcast, she's like, I cannot believe I'm so excited for you to watch Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black is the best movie ever made by mankind, and Brad Pitt is so hot in it. And I kept expecting when we were watching it for that moment to happen, and it just. It just never happened. Never happened. I mean, the best part was when he got hit by the car, and that's it. Anyway. (laughs) Dream um, sequence. I know. Um, But Ayers. Ayers is insane. He also did that movie training. I mean, the reason that I think he has, like, this super serious, like, bro-y vibe to him is just because that's how he is. And, like, I think at, at every point in a like frat guy bro's life, they get super into Saving Private Ryan and... Uh, what's that HBO series about World War II? Uh, Band of Brothers, you know, oh, like Band of Brothers. Oh, it's so See, good. That's what I wanted from this movie, and the reason I like this movie is because it reminded me of. Hold on one second. Now my boyfriend's interrupting. We're leaving here at three fifteen. You may have to meet me there because I will leave without you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I know that I know that feeling. So yes, I wanted this movie to be like Band of Brothers. Yeah. Know? So did I. And, I mean, I and and had it, a little bit of it. Right. And I think that that's what David Ayer set out to do is to make this yeah. Band of Brothers type movie, but there's so mm-hmm. many parts in it where it's like it's like not that at all and it's like yeah. well, you know, why did you put that in? Like, I thought the whole sex scene part where they like are in the middle of the war and they go to like that, that girl's house and like, it's just Shia and Brad and, uh, or no, it's just the it's kid just and the Brad kid and Brad. Yeah. And they, um, are just like having a nice time. And Brad is like, you know, Hey, if you don't go fuck her, I will. <laughs> like they're like drinking tea and having a nice dinner. And then the other guys come in and it's like, Sex in that situation seems so out of place. And that whole scene seemed pretty out of place. I guess if anything, it was to to build the characters as like people that stick together and get really jealous when they're not together or something like that. But like Or it was like to provide the respite from the war, which we all you know, after having been in the tank. I don't know. Yeah, like desperately seeking some sense of like normalcy. Yeah. Um it, they'd go so far as to like force it. But then like the girl dies and then it's like, oh, is that just like about the futility of war or something like that? I don't know. 
Well, and then this is a huge problem for me that I kept writing down over and over again about this movie is like, okay, so the girl dies. Okay, so maybe that's a little problematic, but like the guy gets laid and he's kind of initiated into the boys club, right? Like by raping this woman. (laughs) Because whether or not she was like complicit in it, he still raped her. Like she still, but she was forced into the thing. And I sort of feel like that wasn't really acknowledged or embraced by the movie. Like, well, that's that's an Ayer's problem. Like he glorified that in a way that I didn't like but then another problematic thing was like okay so then the building gets blown up and her perfectly dead body happens to be lying on top of the rubble i know it's almost like we're supposed to like like, want to fuck that dead body easiest filmmaking i've ever seen i know it's like Like, i don't need to see her body with a little cut on her forehead after the building has exploded especially because It's not like this is like a PG... Oh, I totally know. It's not like this is some sort of like PG-13 movie that's going to be shown on TV because the rest of the deaths in this movie are horrifically gory. You know what I mean? Like, remember the face in the tank? Yeah. It fell off... Somebody's face fell Uh, off of their head and it was in the tank. And it was like... Like that... (laughs) I mean... It's kind of fun, that crazy gore, or like the, yeah, the, the body that was a, driven over, and it was like fun. I loved the body that was driven over. I so mean, I, that's the thing. I love the gore of... That's... I mean, yeah, just like sort of missed the mark. I almost want to like yeah. go in and like recut the film. <laughs> how, would you, how would you recut it to... Like, what would you add and what would you take away? I would... I would shorten that scene. I would shorten watch. I would. Ha- they would just leave. The building wouldn't get blown up. I would. I would probably spend a little bit more time, like with the humanity of them, and less time with the war. Like that final scene. I think that you can show their vulnerability without using a woman as a device um, to soften a man. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, That's like maybe the point was like. In war, they get so caught up in their masculinity that they're unable to to let go of that. But then, like, but like, I thought the the boy as like, oh, I'm a little typist. I'm, a, I, you know, I'm, I was trained to type sixty words a minute. I don't, yeah. I'm not trained to kill. And like, Brad Pitt like forced him to kill that dude. And like, they like really, they really uh, see. I go liked the extra that mile. scene. So did I. And I'm what I'm saying is, I think that that. Those types of devices worked wonders for showing their humanity exactly. as way more than a hundred. Then, like, the, oh, the we need to have woman. a woman in here. I mean, it happens all the time. I feel like I am, especially uh, war movies. Yeah, I just feel like I am such a broken record when it comes, especially in the history. Of, just because having talked about movies every week for two years now, <laughs> almost two years, yeah. it's like this, like. The, the throwing a woman in is not going to fix your fucking movie. No. I would so much rather have that Band of Brothers moment that just never was achieved. And it just goes to show, like, you force these people to, like, kill themselves in real life so that they can perform for you on camera. It's kind of disgusting, you know? Yeah. Although I will say I felt, like, without knowing anything about the movie or about the production, really, um, aside from the Shia, not showering thing, um, them all in that room together when they're like having dinner and like the three guys from the tank are being just big, huge assholes and everyone else in the room is trying to be civilized. Like I could feel the real life tension in Uh that room. Like that's great that I thought 
but like again it was the same thing where i was like you could still communicate that tension and that that distrust and that anger with each other frustration some other way that didn't involve raping a girl like well no just cut that scene out just like force them to cook you dinner that's almost in a way it's even more powerful to be like serve us i don't know there's know. a different yeah you could have easily done it in a different way but i i did like how i could feel that tension like i think that's when the the real practicality of it uh, i mean the the real yeah the pract I, I don't know how to say it but the 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 method acting really came yeah. through there because they were actually frustrated with each other and you could tell that they were actually frustrated with each other yeah like it's in the office i could bring it back <laughs> to the office how michael scott would purposely annoy people and he would fuck up takes on purpose so that they had to redo stuff a ton of times so that when he was being annoying on camera the actors would be genuinely annoyed with Steve Carell because he was being so annoying and so it like worked really well yeah. anyway <laughs> yeah well there's a few things so just a few other facts about Ayers's psychosis is first of all he made them yeah. all go to this boot camp before they started filming which was like apparently like the world's most intense, most hardcore boot camp there is. Of where they it was. were he literally truly broke them. And I read article after article from all of the actors saying like they were really truly broken. They couldn't even talk about it. They had PTSD from going to this training camp, but it was the most valuable thing they ever did. Oh and Brad God. was like, I wish I could do it every year. It's the most valuable thing. The other thing, which of I thought was the did. craziest <laughs> thing, is that Michael Pena had just become a new father when they started filming this. He had twins, twin infant child children. Michael Ayers, uh, I think you already mentioned, like, he'd make them fist fight every day before they got in the tank to, like, build yep. up the tension. Yeah. One day, Michael Ayers called Pena from set and was like, hey, your wife called. Something's really wrong with your children. Um, but just so shoot this up. one scene, and then I'll, and then we'll let you go. And he made it up. So fucked up. He lied up. to a new father. I mean, I just can't abide by that. I would be that. so livid. I would be like, dude, this is a fucking job. This is my job. You yeah. can't do that to me. Yeah. And it's like, the, unfortunately, the movie's not good enough to have, like... Put him through that. I know. Yeah. And poor Michael Pena. He's so nice. He's, like, such oh, a nice... I love him. Like, mild-mannered dude. Him. And I also... <laughs> what so was his name? Something horribly racist. It's, like, Gordo, right? Yeah, <laughs> something, like... I think it's Gordo. I don't remember because we watched it a month ago, but I remember being like, okay, that's a little on the nose. Yeah, and also it's funny how Michael Pena, like, in all the... He's not really mentioned. His performance isn't really mentioned. Like, he's kind of left out of a lot of the publicity, except yeah. for the fact that everyone's like, oh, yeah, and also there were a lot of Mexican-Americans who fought in World War II, so it's good <laughs> that Michael Pena's there to represent that. And it's like, well, he did other stuff in the movie, and also they didn't mention any of that in the movie. He was just like a dude in the tank. Yeah, whose name <laughs> so, was Gordo. Whose name was Gordo. I know, it's so weird. And, but he did, a, he did a fine job. Like, I, I really just really like Michael Pena. Um, I mean, I love him too. But that's what I'm saying. Like, my problem with this movie is that it's like such a. I mean, it's. I'm so conflicted because I, I did. I I did watch it. I didn't feel tempted to like pick up my, my phone. phone. I was like engaged in <laughs> yeah. it. I like was carried through it. I was entertained by it. But at the same time, the cynic in me was just like, "This is such bullshit." That's a cliche. This is a cliche. The score is like. 
the same score as literally every World War II movie ever made. And oh my worse. god, I know, <laughs> I know. The score was like, ugh. and I know that you think of a score like more often now, but like, yeah, even I was noticing the score. Yeah, which is a bad sign. Yeah, um, I, I one of the, the funny cliches that has kind of become a Brad Pitt specific cliche is that he. I mean, I think he's got some skeletons in the closet. He must, because he always wants to play characters that are Nazi killers, slave yeah. freers, like yeah. standing up for women, you know, like empowering. He's, a, he's even, the white even, savior every time. He loves being a white savior, even yeah. all the way back. <laughs> even in Thelma and Louise, Brad, like, he was the empower. I mean, he robbed them, but he was giving that he was empowering them. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only time he really played a dirty, nasty, bad guy was early on when he was with she who shall not be named uh, in, uh, California and, uh, too young to die. Oh so my God. <laughs> there's a question mark on the end of that. That's why you have to do that up thing. I know. Um, that's my favorite thing about that movie. It's the question mark at the end of the title. <laughs> I wonder if career maintenance was, uh, the animated one. No. Uh, you don't think so? Anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, so, but in this movie, remember when, <laughs> so they say like, Hey, we got a Nazi prisoner and Brad Pitt's like, I need to punch him in the face right now. Let me at him. <laughs> Let me at him. And they're like in like a camp. It's like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. So we get it. Brad Pitt, need- this character, doesn't <laughs> like Nazis. What a strong take from somebody in World War II. And then they all die together except for the young buck. Who hides under the tank. That was kind of a cool moment, though. I, I did like, like, that whole last scene was, like, yeah. fun. Because, you know, I just love, I love action. And that was yeah, very action-y. Same. But this is my thing, okay? So here's my biggest takeaway from this movie that... I found myself thinking, because, like, you know, I've had some time to think about all the things we've discussed. But the one thing where I, like, was actively, like, when it happened, I was like, okay, this is a made-up story. Right. And because that guy survived, I wanted at the end for there to be, it started with the opening credits, right? Where it said, it's 1945, the war's about to be over, blah, 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 blah. So it gave me, like, the front load, gave me the history. When the movie ended, I wanted to hear... So-and-so went on to, like, blah, 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 blah. War Daddy had actually killed blah, 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 blah. You know, like, I wanted the closing chapter, and I didn't get it. Yep. And I was like, well, it makes me hate Ayers even more that he wrote this story. Like, go find a real story. Because he could (laughs) have given the story... He could have given the story more... Depth and yes, exactly. I don't know. He he had a lot of opportunities. I think to give the story a little bit more depth and make it less about the visual, <coughs> like immediate gratification of like being angry at each other. Yeah, you know exactly a hundred percent. And it, I think it almost could have been there. I I feel like you know that like maybe there's some stuff on the cutting room floor that we could use. <coughs> I just feel like he wasn't well-intentioned in the making of this movie, if that makes sense. I do. It does make sense. Yeah. His his head was in the wrong place. I mean, he came off this movie and went, went ahead and made the movie bright. So um, that's kind of where his head was at. He just... I mean, bright is such a bad fucking movie. And Training Day is not a terrible movie, 
But when you make Training Day and then you go on to make um, more movies of the same tone, you're like, oh, so that's the only... You can only do that. Okay, gotcha. Right. Um, so why don't we... I mean, I feel like I'm kind of ready to move on to numbers and ratings. Yeah, please tell me about how, how much money this movie cost. This movie cost $80 million to make. And huh. they... F- yeah, they filmed it in... Um, Europe. They did a lot of filming in Europe. Yeah, uh, in like a lot of small towns, and yeah. I, I feel like they loved. Like they, it just seems like they had the same camaraderie on it that they did in um, Ocean's Eleven or something like that. But it was like very different tone. But like they got the same bonding experience out of it, yeah. which you know Brad loves a bonding experience. Oh my god, give him a bond. Um, James so eighty minutes. <laughs> he would have made a very interesting James Bond. Was, he Horrible. was optioned. Horrible. Did I say good or interesting? You said interesting. Okay, good. That's what I thought. It I would was, have been interesting <laughs> in a horrible way. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been horrible, too, because only now has he figured out how to properly uh, like use his like Brad Pitt swagger. 100%. I don't think he was ready for it. It took him a long time. Now he's like distinguished and like a little bit older. Um. And he knows he's like finally realized that he's Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it cost eight million dollars to make. It, uh, it's opening weekend. It made twenty three million dollars, um, which is kind of low, but it did. Or actually, it's not low. It's pretty good. It opened at number one. It oh. um, also out at the same time was Gone Girl, Birdman, and Whiplash. Um, oh, great films! Now, ultimately, this movie didn't do well in the award season, probably good. because it was like fake good. You know, like it's just a, it. It looks nice, yeah. and like it seems like in some universes it might be an Oscar-worthy movie, but I think no, everyone realized it a, wasn't. It's like, yeah, it's like a nothing. It's and not then bad. It, and also, well, it went up against Gone Girl, Birdman, and Whiplash. Yeah. Which are all really good movies. I didn't well, like Well, Birdman's Birdman. weird, but it, yeah. it ended up winning Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Whiplash is probably, like, my favorite movie. It, like, is the perfect movie. Yeah. And, um... Such a good one. So I, can, I get putting tense Fury, even thinking about that movie. Oh, my God. It's so good. It, yeah. But, like, putting this movie up against those movies, it's like, you're like, oh, this isn't that good of a movie. You know what I mean? So, it kind of... Yeah, it it's... I think you're right. It's like taking a picture of a good movie. But it's yeah. not. It doesn't have the depth that you want it to have. You don't. You don't feel the way you do after you watch a really good, like yeah. movie that really makes you think about something in a different way than you had before. Totally. It's like he wasn't saying anything new or interesting about World War II. So um, yeah, anyway, he so made it, up this like weird fucked up story. It just creeps me out. He creeps me out. Normally, I like love a creep, but he, I don't like his. You know creep. who else was a creep that we didn't even talk about? John Bernthal, who is so oh, creepy in this movie. He yeah. always plays a creep. He's in. Also, he's <laughs> in every movie. How is he in everything? Um, oh, you're right. So $23 million open. Sorry. And That's not good on an $80 million budget. Well, eventually it made $85 million domestically, and then its entire worldwide was $210 million, and then its DVD sales on top of that were $32 million. So it made $242 million lifetime total everything. Pretty good. Made its money back. But I think it just like Brad Pitt plus bros equals... $242 million. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. that's what you get. So that's how, so, that's how that went. How was it received? 
It was received. I mean, IMDb gave it a 7.6. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 76%. Metacritic, 64. The EW gave it a C plus. Nobody really had anything to say about it. That's because it's, it's a picture of, like, of a good movie. It's exactly. not a good movie. And I would say that that's my... Let's do the, our overall ratings. Like, my overall rating is... Mm, I don't remember. What did I say last time? On did your you first, on on our first recording, I did write yeah. it down. Okay. Well, what, let, let me hear what you would give the the movie overall right now, and I'll tell you if your opinion has changed in time. Well, it's interesting because for a movie like Tree of Life, I feel like my score is just getting higher and higher the more I think about it. Same. This one, my score is just like I I, I feel like maybe I gave it a six. You did. That's correct. Yeah. I kind of want to take it down to a five. Oh, interesting. As it recedes from my memory. But I think for the integrity of the thing, I should probably keep it at a six when it was still fresh in my vein. I mean, what do you think? I gave it a 5.5, which I think I'm going to stand by. It wasn't. Yeah. Look, the more that I think about it, the less that I'm impressed by it. Yeah, exactly. So but I feel I'm like I should stick 5. with 5. my six, right? Because like that's what I gave it. Initially. Sure, that is what you gave it, and I think that also you do enjoy a World War II movie. I enjoy a World War II movie, and I also enjoy the making of movies. So even though it was on the nose, yeah, and I feel kind of creeped out by how he executed it, it still there is, is pretty cool. impressive. Yeah, yeah, and there's some cool like Hollywoody stuff in this, so it's, yeah. it's fine. It has um, the only, it had the only tank, the only functioning German tank left in the world in it. That's yeah, pretty cool. It's pretty cool, and like, yeah, you know, there, there, there's some cool action in it, um, and there are s- some really good, good scenes. So I think six is fair, five point five is fair. Yeah. Um, so we haven't really talked about Brad Pitt's looks or performance that much so far. Um, but what did, what do you think uh, you gave his looks originally? I feel like it was kind of high. What did I give him, a seven or eight? Seven. I gave him yeah. eight. Yeah. Because I think he looks really good. And we talked about how he looked rough, but he looked like he was 50. Um, yeah, he was 50. Now he's almost 60. He, I know. Well, he, he looks... He looks like he could be 40, but he's actually 50. And it's like, there's this whole thing about the war and like him speaking German, Uh, right? There's like, yes, that he's supposed to be, yeah. There's like an interesting thing about how like people who are normally in his position are like 30s, but he's older in the movie and the way that they kind of like hint at that which again this is a great opportunity to give the movie more depth but they yeah. didn't take it but like that Brad Pitt the reason he speaks German is because he was in World War One, uh-huh. and he's older now but he's experienced he's like war like a war hardened war daddy um but you know he's older than most people in his position normally would be so he's like mid forties, like early to mid forties. Um, and he speaks German, but I think that he looks that, I mean, it doesn't really matter that much, but point is he's old and he looks so good for that age. He looks amazing. His hair looks great. I'm giving him an eight. I'm sticking with it. I think he looks stunning. 
I think he looks great too. And I just do want to touch really quickly on what you just said about how that was would have been a great opportunity to give him more depth. Like I think we were supposed to infer throughout this whole movie that they had fought together in Morocco and like they had been together forever. And it's like give me that. I mean, and I don't. I'm not a big fan of flashbacks, but like give me some more depth to this. Like we're seeing these yeah. people in their last ride, right? But you I want them, I want more of their history together. Imagine if they made tension. this movie. Yeah, yeah. And imagine if this they made this movie like a non-linear story. Oh, it would have been great. Because like it's it's I think you could easily argue that one of the things about war is it makes you all foggy and it makes memories blend together and blur yeah. together and experiences get confused with each other. So like having flashbacks that aren't like explicitly flashbacks yeah could be super useful and great yeah i agree with you and i think it's really funny that's not funny but i feel like i mean i guess i've probably said this 16 times throughout this podcast it's like he tried so hard to cultivate their genuine relationships and missed the boat so intensely without because he didn't develop their history I know, just right? Deve- and, that, and that, I'm like, that is lazy. Where it's like, it seems like it's really hard work to, like, really force these people into method acting and, like, you know, realism. But it's also like, no, 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 provide your audience with the backing to that. You don't want to just see tension. You want to see history, especially in a historical film, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Brad Pitt uh, so looked fucking hot. I love him anymore. He was dirty. I bet he smelled so deliciously bad. Oh, he smelled just right. He's probably still smelled like patchouli. I think he just, that's just what he right. smells like. Yeah. Um, and his performance? I thought it was good. I mean, a little yeah. bit on the nose. Uh, seven, eight? We, we both gave him seven, which I stick yeah. to. I yeah, stand by my it. seven. Yeah. Um, he was just fine. Totally he did a good fine. job. Um. um yeah. Oh, so I guess that's it. I guess that's, that's it, it for Fury and um, our boy Brad. Next okay week we're going to Next week we're going to skip to 2019 with the movie Brad Astra. Hey, I see <laughs> what you did there and I love yeah. it. Yeah, so Ad Astra is up next and then after that is we're going back to 2014, 2015 2014, to watch By the Sea. Yeah, which I'm so glad it just so happened that we recorded this episode and then you tried to edit it and then I tried to edit it and then I moved and I'm going out of town. Like literally anything I can do to not watch By the Sea. I know, same. I'm like, I like kept push it, putting it off so that we could time it so that we could watch Ad Astra and then By the yeah, Sea. Yeah, it's literally the only movie in his all of these 50 movies that we're watching that I just have no interest in rewatching. It's going to be a slog. But but we can talk about it'll be with him and Angie. Anyway. Anyway. Tune in next week for Brad Astra. Bye. Love you. Bye.